Welcome to the Central Christian Church Podcast. We pray this message helps you find and follow Jesus. If you would like to connect with us more, please visit us at centralsj.org. Hey, welcome to Central Online. And how awesome was that, man? The kids did such a great job in, in helping us to recalibrate to the true meaning of Christmas and why we celebrate Christmas in the first place. And that's because God gave us the ultimate gift, his son, Jesus. God so loved the world, as those kids brilliantly articulated, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish, but would have eternal life. And that's the reason why we give gifts at Christmas, because God gave us the ultimate gift in his son, Jesus. And this season really leading up to Christmas is, is, is in some church traditions known as Advent, uh, often liturgical churches, Catholic churches, Lutheran churches. It's becoming more mainline though, uh, celebrating Advent and preparing our hearts uh, for the arrival of Christmas. Uh, Advent simply means that, simply means arrival. And it, it recalibrates our heart back to the original Christmas, whenever God came and uh, left the, the deity of heaven heaven, the, the, the divine glory of heaven, emptied himself out and became a man in the form of a baby, reliant on, on broken people uh, to care for him, provide for him, protect him. Uh, but the, the good news is not just did Jesus come once, and, and Advent certainly remembers that, but, but there's a second coming, and it's going to be very different than his first. He came as a baby the first time. Second time he returns to earth, he's going to come as a conquering king. And this Advent season is just a, an opportunity for us to recalibrate our hearts back to that reality as well. And so today, uh, I want us to briefly look at the very first Christmas narrative as it's recorded in Luke's gospel. If you have your Bible, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 1, uh, verse 26 through 45, and making a couple couple observations. Uh, then next Sunday, next Sunday, Christmas Day, Christmas lands on Sunday, December 25th. Uh, I want you to know we're going to be, be online only. And so for those of you who typically join us in person, but for whatever reason you're online today, I want you to know next Sunday we're going to be online only. And here's why. We know that many of you are going to be traveling. Many of you are going to be with family. And so uh, many of your family members maybe don't, don't typically come to church. So rather than ask you to leave your family at home and come join us for an in-person service at church, we thought, what if we just brought church to you and maybe your family would be able to participate in a Christmas service with you on Sunday. And so we've been, we've been working on that actually for weeks. It'd be much easier for us just to gather in person. Uh, but, but we believe that it could be a tool for you, for me to to make a difference in our, in, our, in our lives of people we love, in our family. And so, so that'll be taking place next Sunday. We'll be uh, uh, streaming live at uh, 9 a.m. And it'll be on demand thereafter on Christmas Day. And then before then, actually Christmas Eve, so Saturday, uh, December 24th, we're going to have two services, one at four o'clock, and that'll be streamed online. Uh, and then we'll be in person again at 5.30. So if you're in the Bay Area, we'd love to see you here. If you uh, live outside the area or can't make it uh, on Sunday, Christmas Eve, or Christmas Day rather, 9 a.m. and then Christmas Eve, 4 p.m. And so that's all coming up this week. And so, but today we're looking at the first part of, of this, this Christmas story as it's found in Luke chapter one. Next Sunday, we'll be looking at Luke chapter two and doing a little devotional on, on Christmas day. But today we're going to discover four Christmas truths, four things that you'll experience when Jesus comes near in your 
in your life. And some of you are followers of Jesus. And so this is just good for you to know. This is true. When you, when, when you encounter Jesus, these, these four truths uh, you'll, you'll experience, you probably have experienced. Some of you, maybe you're not yet a follower of Jesus. And so it might be insightful for you to know that when, when you do uh, follow Jesus, when you do draw near to God, here's four things that you can anticipate that God will do in your life. And, and if you were to ask, like, what, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible show as examples of, of what it's like whenever an individual is close to God? What might that look like? There, there's several examples actually throughout the Bible that we could turn to, uh, but none greater than the very first Christmas when God draws near to a woman named Mary. And so, so the first observation is this, and this is what you would, I'd want you to know, is that, that when God comes near, he comes to show us his favor. God desires to show you his favor, and that's what he does for, for Mary. Let's look at it in Luke Chapter 1, verse 26 through 28, it says this. In the sixth month, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Now, Mary is called highly favored, not because of who she is. She's called highly favored because of what God desires to do in her life and desires to do through her life. And the fact is that God delights in doing good and showing people his favor. Uh, the psalmist wrote this in Psalm 119, uh, verse 68, says, you are good, and you do only good. Like, here's what you need to know about God. I don't know what you'd think about God. I don't know what comes to mind when you think about God. But here, here's this prevailing truth throughout Scripture that God is good and God does good. God is good. God does good. He desires to show his goodness in your life, desires to do good in and through your life. Uh, the most common attribute mentioned in the Bible uh, of God is, is his his kindness, his, his loving kindness. One, one scripture verse says that, God, your loving kindness is better than life itself. Like, like God, it is, you're so good. Your kindness is so good. It's, it's literally uh, the best. It's a way of saying, like we often say, like, man, the 49ers, they're the best. The psalmist is saying, God, your loving kindness, it's, it's just simply the best. It's the best. We talked about this last week in... Um, in Romans. And that word favored in Luke chapter 1 is the same Greek word that we looked at last week in Romans chapter 5 and verse 2. Here's the verse we talked about last week. It says, through him, so this is Jesus, because of Christmas, because of Jesus, we can now, we have obtained access by faith into this favor, into this grace that we now stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. That word favor that's used in Luke chapter one is also used here in Romans chapter five and verse two. And it could, it could simply be translated as preferential treatment. We could translate it as God's excessive kindness. We could, another definition would be God's undeserved favor. This is what, 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 what the angel's announcing to Mary, that, that Mary, you've experienced preferential treatment from God. You've experiencing, you're experiencing God's excessive kindness. God, Mary, you have, you have the undeserved favor of God on your life. And what Paul talks to us about in Romans chapter five is that same favor, that, that same grace 
is what you now stand in as a follower of Jesus. You now have God's preferential treatment. You now have God's excessive kindness. You now have God's undeserved favor on your life. When God comes near to an individual, he comes and he extends his grace towards us, his undeserved favor. And what a gift that is. The second observation that I'd want you to know, that whenever God comes near to a person's life, when God's hand is on a person's life, the second thing we see is that God comes to remove fear. God removes all fear. Let's look at it in the life of Mary. Verse 28 says, the angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly, highly favored. There's the word again, same word that's used in Romans chapter five and verse two. It's the same grace that now you stand in, you and I get to stand in. So he says, says hey, hey, greetings to you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You've found favor with God. If someone were to ask you, what's the most common command in the Bible, what might you say? If someone were to say, hey, what, tell me in the Bible, what's the most frequent command from God? Is it to love God? Is it to love people? Is it to be a nice person? Is it to be generous at Christmas? What's the most common command in the Bible? You might be surprised to know that the most frequent command over and over and over again is do not be afraid. Fear not. And the good news of Christmas, the good news of Jesus' coming at Christmas, it allows us to live life free from fear. In light of God's second coming, it allows us to say, you know what, no matter what I'm facing, it's not as big as what I'm going to experience one day. It dissipates fear. It dispels fear. God wants us to know that when he comes near, you don't have to be afraid. If you've got God, if God is with you, God is showing you his kindness. He's showing you his favor. He's showing you his preferential treatment, and you don't need to be afraid. The third observation, when God comes near, when God comes uh, to do something, he comes to do something supernatural in your life. When God draws near to a person, they see the supernatural hand of God on their life, in their life, in daily events. God delights in the, to do in ordinary people's lives. He, he delights in, in taking imperfect people and using them to do supernatural things. God delights in taking broken individuals and restoring, rebuilding, beautifying, creating wholeness where there was once brokenness. God delights to show himself powerful in the lives of people, and he, he delights to do supernatural things in their life. Here it is, Luke uh, 31, or verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 31. It says this, uh, you will be with child and you'll give birth to a son and, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and he'll be called son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin, check out what the angel says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called Son of God. 
Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is now in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. Now, the miracle that God did in Mary's life is not the same miracle he desires to do in your life. But here's what you need to know. Whenever God comes near to an individual, he comes to display his supernatural power. And God desires to do supernatural things in your life, through your life, that will impact not only you, but generations, ripple effect to people all around you. He desires to do the supernatural in your life. And here's what you need to know. No matter what you're facing today, it's a great reminder that nothing is impossible with God. Whatever you're facing, whatever you're up against, God desires to display a supernatural power. And we need to come back to this elementary understanding that God with you, Man, nothing, nothing's too hard. Nothing's impossible. Your situation is not hopeless. God is the God of all hope, and he's the God who does the impossible. The fourth observation is that God comes so that we'll put our faith in him. God's, Jesus came, Christmas exists to show us uh, that, that God is for you, that God desires relationship with you. He comes so that we'll put, ultimately put our faith in him. Look at this in the life of Mary. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, here's what I want us to think about for a moment. Mary is 12 to 13 years old at this point. She's a young, young girl. And, and, and Mary asks this question, how is this possible? And this is the response. And so there's a lot of open ends here. Like, like this, I don't think this response really answered all of Mary's questions. The fact of the matter is that, that there are things that God desires to do in your life and mine that if we knew it, we'd struggle to believe it. Same with Mary. Like he was going to do something very supernatural in Mary's life, but Mary didn't fully wrap her head around it. Mar Mary didn't fully, fully grasp it. One of the things that trips a lot of people up is that they feel like, man, until I can have every, I can dot every I, until I can cross every T, until I can wrap my head around all this, until I, I see some tangible evidence of not only what God desires to do, but how he's going to do it in my life, then I'm not really sure I'm all in. I'm not really sure I'm going to believe. But Mary doesn't take that posture. Mary doesn't take that approach. She has a whole lot of questions. She, she has more questions than what she has answers to. But she still comes to this place where she trusts, where she trusts God to do the impossible. Mary didn't wait till she had understanding before she believed God. Look, look what it says in chapter 1, verse 38. She says, I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Now imagine what must have been going through her mind. Mary's pledged to be married to her husband, Joseph. In that culture, it was, it was as good as a wedding. They, they were already like legally, it was legally binding. Uh, the Bible would talk about Joseph, how he decided to divorce her quietly. So it's not like an engagement like we think of in our culture. Like it's official. Now, Mary, imagine what's going through her mind. She's gonna be show up to her, her new husband pregnant. Like how's that gonna work out? She's probably thinking, man, what, about, what are my parents gonna say? Like she's a, a virtuous girl. Like she must have been raised by, by great parents. But now it would be a disgrace to the family to be shown to be pregnant outside of, of marriage. What, what, what are the people closest to me 
going to say? And, and, and here is this angel talking to me, and I'm, I'm terrified. And, and the angel just said, like, the power of the Most High is, like, going to overshadow me? Like, what does that even mean? Like, what's happening here? And, and I'm going to give birth to a baby that's going to be called the Son of God? I mean, you talk about pressure. You talk about questions. And in the midst of all that, Mary comes to this place where her trust in God is greater than the questions she carries. And she says, I'm the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. And just a few verses later, Mary goes to visit her cousin, Elizabeth, who's about to deliver a baby. And, and this baby is going to be who we know to be John the Baptist, this, this great forerunner of Jesus, this great prophet, this great man of faith. And, and when Elizabeth sees Mary and, and Elizabeth greets her, uh, look at what Elizabeth says. One of the things she says in verse 45 says, you are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. You're blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. And I just have a question. How are you doing in this area? Do you, do you come to this place where even when you have questions, you know what God said. And so you, rather than having all the questions answered, all the, 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 the I's dotted and T's crossed, rather than wrapping your head around it before you move forward with courageous faith, do you come to this place where you say, you know what, like Mary, I don't, I don't have all my questions answered, but God, I trust you. That's what Mary does believed. She's blessed because she believed that what the Lord said would happen. Because of Christmas, because of what Jesus has done for us, there's a way for you to draw close to God. The fact of the matter is you can be as close to God as you choose to be. And that's true for everyone. Because of what Jesus has done for us, there's a, a way, a pathway that you can have a real relationship with God and you can know God as much as you want. The Bible says this, if you draw near to God, draw, God will draw near to you. 